All right, everybody, you're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGN+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we are so happy to have you listening to this great episode today. Uh, hold on, I love this part. <laughs> you're flat. Oh, oh. yeah. Coming Tell me, me all about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me all about it. You play the bass. Is that an instrument? <laughs> Hey man, I uh, I also play the scissors. I'm oh yeah. I Shout out to for Noel Gallagher. Gallagher's <laughs> band. All right, all right. We're so glad to I have got you. Cut. Guys. Oh Sorry, yeah. Just... Oh. oh puns puns today. Well, I mean that's kind of apropos to have a little bit of comedy because we are talking to uh, a big bunch of comedians here. It is a filmmaking collective. They are also. Uh, do you do like sketch comic collective? Would that be a good? Yes, I would say that's pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. sketch and like film. We do sketch and film. Yeah, short and long. Uh, they are called Muscular Clown. They are making some really funny stuff, including the Street Wizards Apprentice, which is on YouTube right now. The entire series, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. entire series is up there. It's an award-winning series, correct? Yeah, Recently, yes. yeah. yeah. And we're gonna get into that. But for right now, we have from Muscular Clown. Katie Johnston Smith, Drew Creel, and Kyle Talley. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, thank on the show. you, hey, thank you, man. Us. Thank you. All right, so let's start out with just uh, let's start at the beginning. Where did Muscular Clown kind of come from, Kyle? Um, yep. So, me and uh, our, our two, the other two of our uh, members, um, Matt Giordano and Andrew Melzer, all went to high school together in Richmond, Virginia, um, and like started making like little just short comedy films uh in high school and we then went to college and Matt and um Andrew went to SCAD which is where Drew went where they met me um and I went to a school in in Virginia uh for acting and they both went for filmmaking and also all three of them went for filmmaking and then after college we kind of got together and did uh worked on like two 48 hour film uh festival things and then decided to start making shorts and sketches and stuff yeah um maybe like a year or so like a year and a half after college um we all decided to move up living in different areas i'm from florida um you know decided to move up to chicago and uh get back get the team back together yeah get the band back Uh, together and try and do more more sketch comedy more uh web or uh just you know, our medium's video, so we yeah. stuck to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's but, a good place to be for sketch comedy. I mean, that's – um, I feel like since uh, – I know the first time I really got into that, you know, video sketch comedy, watching SNL in the early 2000s, Andy Samberg and absolutely. The Lonely Island. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Up. Andy Samberg. And the, absolutely. They – Them and Derek. Derek Comedy, for sure. Those yeah. two were probably the inspiring groups that yeah. got us to think that, oh, yeah, we could try and do this thing, too. And, yeah, it's coming around. <laughs> Very cool. What are some Wait, of your? I mean, uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Kyle, do you want to get? You want to give the, the oh, oh, why the we're called muscular? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. honestly, yeah. that's important. Origin so, story. So, like in in like elementary school, this is very like super a la super bad. But like in elementary school, um, 
I, I wanted, I like, I really enjoyed drawing, but I couldn't draw very well. And so like, I would draw like these superhero, like really buff bodies, like of like, like with spikes and like, you know, swords and stuff. And like, I wasn't really good at drawing heads, like, like real person heads, but clown heads were really easy to draw. <laughs> so I just had like a bunch <laughs> of like these clown, like muscular, like battle clown type drawings <laughs> around my room. And that was like one of the contributing factors i mean one of the many contributing factors to my parents sending me to therapy at like a young age <laughs> and and so like that kind of we uh melzer andrew melzer was looking through uh, we were looking through a bunch of like old journals just kind of like screwing around and he came upon like one of these drawings he's like what's this and it was like oh well this is that and so mm-hmm. that'd sort be muscular clown muscular yeah, exactly. clown yeah exactly. pretty much i gotta write this down battle <laughs> Could you throw Armada after yeah. that? Yeah, Battle yeah, Clowns. Yeah. Well, that's season two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dear Netflix, <laughs> do I have an idea for you? So I I want to ask about we we mentioned the influence of Andy Samberg and Derek Comedy. Where, how do you feel that you expand on the sketch comedy format, or where do you like to go with your version of sketch comedy in the video sense? So I guess you know we're still pretty fresh to the scene you know even though we've been doing it for a long time i would say being able to get in there and you know the difficulties of getting together and you know making films it's definitely a struggle for us but if we're ever if if there's something that we're trying to pioneer that's new or different i would you know i would say just different everything's done everything's been done before but um we try our best to give a cinematic quality to the not and i don't want to say that in like a you know, Michael Bay or like a like a hyper clean looking or beautiful looking, but we just try to give sketch lens comedy. Flares. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> no, there's no lens flares. There's no JJ um, Abrams style cinematography. But we're just trying to give it a more of like a clean. Well, just more of a actual like arc. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of sketch saying. comedy has you know it's just like here's the joke, here's the one joke, and then that's the whole premise of the. Of the video is that joke. We try to give a little more of like an arc, a little more of like um, a journey through our skits and uh, or sketches or what, uh, whichever you want to say I don't that know. one. People who are mad about sketches, that don't, skit don't comedy. have enough yeah. to be mad about. Um, <laughs> we're not, not going to be stickling about it. <laughs> no. And uh, so, yeah, we try to give it a little more of a cinematic quality, I would say, uh, just on like a, that narration level or not narration, but just a, some little more of a story quality. Um, I- I, I would say that, like, definitely one one thing that we try to do in, in, like, writing is, like, almost any character could have a story, like, branch off about them if they are the smallest character in, like, it, it could be a guy just walking by, and in our minds, that guy has a big old arc to him and has, like, a reason he's there, and, and very, like... I, like I, I would kind of take like uh, Venture Brothers as a like very big inspiration okay. in the sense of like yeah definitely every every little character is as important as the big characters every every piece of the puzzle needs to make sense and like fit so immersion w- is a very important part of the world that you're building definitely yeah, definitely definitely certainly for Street Wizard commitment too because we've done a lot of we've done a lot of like one off. Um, sketch videos that are just you know i would say that's what we were doing for the longest time until we decided like hey let's give us let's try and do like an actual web series like a contiguous show 
Um, but yeah, trying to really sell um, like a world that even you know it can be really mm-hmm. small. It's obviously we're not they're small videos. They're like five minutes at most or what have you. But yeah, we try to just give more of a story quality, more immersion, as you said. Um, yeah, you. I mean, we also add like effects and like <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah there's sure. it, it yeah i was gonna say a lot of the videos that i've watched specifically uh street wizards apprentice and um the the todd's going away party uh-huh. yes. there's like a really great level of polish um in the going away party one they the episode i watched it just um i love the use of color i love the use of really putting you into the the moment it doesn't seem people think web youtube videos are like some guy getting hit in the dick with like a <laughs> plank. but this is like there's a lot of character i love the premise of it which is it's this guy's going away party but mm-hmm. all the episodes are have nothing to do with him it's yeah. everybody else who's there yes. mm-hmm. and um i just i really like what you guys are doing i wanted to know what is it a really collaborative process or does everybody kind of fill a specific role I've just been have super super collaborative. Um, yeah. We, so I guess I'll identify myself and Melzer as being um, the more like technical savvy. I think Matt G. Don, I don't want to discredit him. Um, he's also very technically sound, but uh, when it comes to who's doing the editing and the shooting, it's most of the time split between um, Melzer and myself. Um, but. When it comes to the creative like writing process, it's pretty much everybody gets on all, gets hands. It, all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. We're all gonna spitball ideas at each other. We're gonna try and work things out together, and then you know we'll get it to a point. We'll kind of like develop an idea that we're all like excited about and interested in, um, and then you know we'll hand it off to you know somebody to kind of like take it to the first draft level, and then we'll bring it back, review it, see how everybody you know thinks about it. Um, so, so yeah, this I would say it's heavily, very, very collaborative indeed. Well, even in like, uh, in in like the creation process, like you know, people will have to you know, Drew, like he says, he's he's definitely more behind the scenes stuff, but he will step in front of the camera, you know, in the same way that you know I'll have to run sound occasionally, or you know, it it, it when you're doing like so quote unquote guerrilla filmmaking, you know, you have yeah. to you have to. Everybody has to wear different hats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, – we we run a pretty tight ship. It's, like, mostly just the five of us who get all the, the shit done. Um, and that's kind of the way we like to do it, especially when we have no budget and we don't want to ask a bunch of people to work for us for no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's good to have a collective of people that are of the same mind, of the same goal of just getting – a bunch of ideas onto paper and then onto a platform for people to see. Yes. Speaking of um, getting a platform together and getting, you know, an idea together with your collective, uh, specifically your um, your series Street Wizard, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit how you guys came up with the idea of making a comedic, like, contemporary fantasy. Because that just sounds, just even saying that, it just sounds messy. And it's not. And the show is not. The really? Show is... Okay, well, thank you. I would consider it messy. Um, uh, yeah, so, geez. I, so I, I actually um, tried to develop the idea on my own uh, for a little while as a, as more, as actually like a lengthier, I think it was always going to be some sort of series. I don't know if it was going to live on the web 
Um, but it was definitely more of like a lengthy, like I was thinking closer to like ten minutes long kind of thing per episode or whatever. Um, but kind of, and I I came to the idea just sort of like was just trying to like I was thinking because I loved um, you know I loved Adventure Time and I love Adventure Brothers specifically, and was just trying to think of like okay, what's something that you know I find personally interesting and then a very like you know everyday occurrence something that people go through on a on a like everyday level you know the relatable meets the fantastic and how can i mash those together right and so you know like i love drug dealers and wizards are real <laughs> so um you know combine those two guys together and boom you got a show or at least i thought so um and yeah so it was it was a bit more of like a it was a bit longer of an idea and it wasn't really settling with me. I had, like, a pilot script from, that I wrote out, and it just, like, wasn't really feeling it. I think the the idea was, like, still too, like, complex. Like like you said, it is kind of a messy, you know, it's a messy little premise, um, especially because, right, the Street Woods Apprentice, the title says one thing, but once you actually see the show, there's a whole other, like, depth of what's going on there. Um, so, uh, ah, sorry, I'm blanking. Oh, no worries. Uh, the... Where did I come? Where did I get from this guy? So, so you were talking about why it was how it, you had this ten minute script or the, for the for the yes. pilot and All how right, it was messy you. and you weren't really liking it, right? So uh, I kind of tabled the idea for a little while and then, as a group, muscular clown group, we came back together. We were sort of we were all living together at yeah, this yeah. time. By the way, <laughs> oh my, we we're, still we still yeah, live together. Kyle and I are still roommates. Um, I have never lived with them. <laughs> Melzer has since escaped. Yeah, um, Matt Giordano was also a roommate. And he escaped too. So yeah. we'll see. Um, at some point, you, li- you end up living with us if you want to work with us. Yeah, I have never lived with you. You will though. You will <laughs> at some point. Anyways, so I tabled it because I just wasn't feeling it. Um, just wasn't clicking, and then as a group, we decided like, hey, you know, let's try and do a act instead of you know a bunch of one-off sketches. Let's do a series, and so we had you know as a group, we pitched our own, like individually. We tried to pitch you know ideas. I pitched the you know the Street Wizard idea, and then from there, we kind of boiled it down so it was a little more simple, fit into a tighter you know five minute. Uh, time frame rather than like a 10 minute time frame or or longer you know try to make it more digestible and really um i don't know i don't know how to how much to describe on air where you know things are visually hard to describe but <laughs> the beginning of the show has a serious we're trying to play <laughs> it off as a very serious not a serious but like a very campy um, campy Highlander, uh, Highlander esque. Oh, okay. you know, like yeah. it's it's supposed to be like you're you're watching a show for action adventure, and then when you get into the show, it becomes more like Always Sunny, you know, wacky hijinks or what have you. And I think that's where when we came it when we got together as a group, that really solidified um, from being something that was like too a little too serious to really becoming more of like pure comedy and, and just sort of uh, a lot of. <laughs> just fun yeah yeah goofiness me, also like me and melzer have always been like big i mean all of us have always been like big fantasy and like oh for real like yeah. you know like D D nerds kind of in, in that sense so like yeah to answer that question we're all big nerds <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so like throwing in like uh things uh, we're gonna like, have to ask you guys to leave oh yeah <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, did you tell them how we revealed too much <laughs> no. 
That's why we have Katie. Katie's like nerdy, but like also approachable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we love throwing in like things like just uh, all, uh, like there's a, an author uh, uh, Jim Butcher, and he writes a series yeah. about uh, Harry Dresden, Chicago's only professional wizard, <laughs> and uh, you know we we kind of like to make little jokes at that, and yeah. like you know just. I mean, every everything that you're influenced from, from like you know the cartoons you watch in, uh, you know you watched as a kid to like the ones you watch now, to you know e- e- the books you read. I mean, we're thrown in this kind of jambalaya pot of like fantasy, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. comedy. I mean, yeah. yeah, I we we yeah we all love the early t- you know Highlander, Buffy, Power Rangers, like all those kind of shows, and uh, and so when we were thinking of like of Street Wizard, we wanted to. We wanted it. We know we wanted it to be a comedy, but we wanted to preserve, at least on some level, all those, the camp, all the camp, all those shows that like you know, they took themselves so seriously at the <laughs> yeah. time. But now looking back, you're just like, oh my it's god, just bizarre, it's so silly. Yeah. I want to ask uh, quickly about the actual making of the show. Uh, we talked to a lot of filmmakers on the show about you know working with virtually no budget. And that seems to be kind of like the way it is in Chicago. That's part of the filmmaking community is that everybody's working with almost nothing. So I want to know what were your strategies, plans, techniques in, you know, doing things like uh, location, actual shooting, the editing. Like, how did that all come together? Um, So for locations... We drove we around definitely, a lot. We definitely <laughs> did not do things the way you're supposed to do them, yeah. where you actually like get a sign release and permits and stuff like that. You know, we definitely would just show up at a at a corner that was like, you know what, this looks ghetto enough, <laughs> um, and would just you know shoot. Oh my god, there! You know, we'd be shooting on the street and would just have to like okay here comes a car like everybody gets scrambles off the road hopefully they don't do anything too bad at one point like um cops actually did roll up and they're like what are you doing what are you doing we're like how we're just you know students quote unquote um you know yeah yeah exactly filming and they're like we're here with you too all right just like kept on going we were expecting to get stopped at that point it's so and then sometimes well, there's one time where we were filming oh yeah in a, some some nfl player came by i i don't remember uh the met kid uh who who was the lead uh who played uh uh drake drake, drake yeah mm-hmm. um he he actually knew the the football player's name but i did um but he came by and he he thought i because at that time my beard was much longer uh, and I, I kind of do look like uh, Action Bronson. Yeah. Um, and so he thought we were filming something for, action for like Action Bronson, like one of the, his like you know YouTube videos. Yeah. And so, and so we're like, yeah, like, that's what we were doing. Wizard. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this burrito in a street. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. Um. So the so yeah, location wise, very very. Um, you know, we're just using our friends' houses. We're using locations that we probably shouldn't be able to use. A few and theaters, just... uh, uh, playground theater. Oh yes, right. they were yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. about letting us use the um, space. You know, so we just made the most happen for for free. I don't think we ever paid any location, and there were definitely locations where we should have been paying and or shouldn't have been able to film at all. Um, and then the filmmaking process, we each have uh, between. Myself and Melzer and Matt, we each have like a, just like a, a fair amount of like you know cameras and, and lights and stuff like that. So nothing too fancy. Um, 
you know, we make it happen with what we got, uh, just like everybody out in the city, for sure. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know if there's a whole lot, um, you, you know, unique to our struggle because I definitely, as you guys were saying, you know, everybody here in Chicago is working with nothing, and that's the way, you know, that's what you got to do. Honestly, the money that comes in at all is, you know, maybe feeds people. You know, for the Snacks. day, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, you're really making things happen on a on a zero dollar budget. And so we had a we had a lot of you know film or gear on our own that you know we use for like freelance and stuff like that that we're using for this. And then um, you know Kyle is our lead, one of our lead actors. Yeah. Uh, we had we met a great friend Matt Kidd who is uh, who's Drake, and he was willing to be a part of this you know totally for free. Uh, just you know was interested in being part of a something new i don't think he'd ever done a web series before or anything like no. that so he you know to him it was a it was a cool you know experience something something new for him to do um a lot of community i mean uh, like elise and oh, uh, yeah, vanessa yeah. like like honestly like getting involved in just like the the comedy scene and the creative scene you're gonna meet people who you know oh this this person is really good at costume creating. Mm-hmm. They do cosplay, and oh, this person right. makes chainmail professionally, yeah. and, and like so, you know, it's it, it, it's really about just like making friends and abusing those friends, abusing those <laughs> friendships. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> you know, at, to going back to like uh, Chicago being you know so low budget, um, yeah, people here, we can't. One of the reasons we came to Chicago. Um, instead of like LA or New York is partially at least for me personally to avoid sort of the massive um competition that there is out there um when you know we're sort of just out of college and you know feel like we're still getting our getting our track on on point so and another reason we came to Chicago is because of the massive improv community obviously and yeah. the massive comedy community that's here and you know, throw a rocket we, an actor, you know. You know, we did film, but we also loved comedy and you know, so we felt like Chicago was a great, you know, midpoint between that. And I think being in Chicago has been a really unique experience being filmmakers where so many people here are used to improvising and, and doing stand up as their as their game and they're already hustling and they're doing it for nothing and they're going out at, you know, to do stand-up routines like you know every week every night of every week you know and they're used to it to putting that much effort into something that's paying you nothing um so and that nobody will barely anybody and, sees. And barely anybody sees yeah so it's been a really great in you know being getting to know the improv community and the people inside of that and getting them to be a part of our work has been really easy and very fun because so many people are already so used to being on that such a low level you know, no budget, um, you know, minimal or limited, you know, visibility type stuff. So, so I think being in Chicago has been a boon, definitely for for our abilities and what we're used to doing. It's definitely a DIY like brass tacks kind of work. Yeah, you know, yeah, city you, broad you, shoulders, man. Yeah. yeah, you do. You know, like that's every, everybody here is like willing to work and work for the sense of maybe creating something cool mm-hmm. and. That in itself is is really cool, you know, like different than, you know, L.A. or New York. You know, it's it's the uh, the idea of working for free and, and not only working for free, but like putting in materials and, and stuff like that, that they giving us stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. 
that kind of stuff really allowed you know us to create something that was polished and special. Uh, absolutely common sentiment that I've heard across all of the people that we've talked to on this show, all the filmmakers and uh, you know showrunners and whatnot, is that Chicago is a great place to cut your teeth. It really instills a sense of like kind of a punk rock attitude, you know? Yeah. Like you're doing it for yourself and fuck you if you're going <laughs> to get in my way. You know? Frankly. Frankly. Yeah. And so it's cool to see that uh, that is persistent with you guys as well. Yeah. It was um, interesting when we went to Film Quest, which was the festival that Street Wizard won Best Web Series at, which was cool. When we went to Film Quest, um, a bunch of the films that we saw were made by people who had budgets that far exceeded the Street oh Wizard God. budget. They weren't they. They were all like blown away that we did Street Wizard for what five hundred. So yeah, I, a bucks? lot of people. A lot of people were based out of LA. Uh huh. And and yeah, I think almost. You know, I don't want to make assumptions, but because we obviously we didn't meet everybody at the film class, at the at the festival, but a lot of people that we did meet were in you know, and a lot of their films were top notch. By yes. the way, but um, you know, and obviously. When you're making a, a sketch comedy web series, the quality of your video versus the quality of somebody who's making a one-off short film, you know, there's a there's a disparity, and you you sort of make allowances for that. But regardless, they were always very taken aback by the fact that we had like no budget at all. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, and another weird and then there was a lot of like weird little difficulties that we don't experience here in Chicago that are apparently a big deal in L.A. That I wasn't even thinking about that, like um, SAG actors, yeah, right. It's not necessarily like I think there are a lot of actors that are. It's not that actors aren't willing to do shit because obviously in LA, because obviously there's a lot of hungry people out there. But it's like locations. Every location ever expects you to pay like big money out there because it, even even like the hint of a film, they expect it to be something big budget. They expect them to get paid well. So apparently, getting locations out in LA is like. Super, super yeah. hard for if you're doing things in, independently. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in Chicago, it's definitely a big bar one yeah, steal. You could just yeah. ask your you could yeah. ask your buddy that lives over on Paulina, right? You yeah. know, like, hey, I heard you got a two bedroom, man. Like, <laughs> is it a walk up? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a fancy person lives here. <laughs> I want to quickly in the in the brief amount of time we have left, um, want to go individually to each of you and ask you uh, an important question to me is. Uh, what was the hardest day you had on set? Take a second, Oof. think about it, because really, um, as we were just saying, you know, it's about the struggle. It's about really putting in the hard hours, the hard work for possibly no return. And I just want to know individually the hardest day you guys each had on set. I want to start with you, Katie. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm new to the group, so I came in on the back end of Street Wizards Apprentice and helped promote it, and then am working on Todd Groban's Going Away Party. And I've got to say, on set, it's not been hard. I've loved every every fucking second of it. Working with these guys is a dream, and I love working with them. I'd say the thing that's hard is like figuring out how to get everything done that we need to get done and that I have said that I will get done for the things that we're doing <laughs> while also maintaining a day job and a marriage. <laughs> 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 All right, Drew. Woof. All right. Um, hardest moment, day... Just uh, honest set, day set moment, yeah, set experience. Uh, so honestly, so what the Street Wizard was a first. I just want to say for 
people that are looking to make films and you know are independently minded um it takes a long time it takes a super super long time this was a stupid ass idea that we were like hey let's make a sh- let's make a shitty web series <laughs> um it can be about a hobo wizard is that and your inner monologue? That's my, <laughs> yeah, but that's my internal voice. Um, and, you know, we thought we were going to get it done in, like, you know, a year. It took us two years. Mm-hmm. You know, and a year was like, ha, huh, it'll take, oh, yeah, a year. And, oh, man. <laughs> no. uh, so, you know, your your idea may seem small to you, and when it starts to take up forever, don't get discouraged. Power through it. Um, you know, you will see the light of the end of the tunnel, and then you will feel very rewarded when you finally get there. Um, my hardest experience on set may have actually been the very first day of our production because um, I had actually just started a new job. I think this is actually going to go really very similar to what Katie is saying, where I had just started a new job, and it was a hell of a job. Um, it was kicking my ass hardcore. And uh, I just – so, like, that – same week that I started the new job, we'd slated to the weekend we were going to start doing, start filming. Mm-hmm. And we were going to start with the show that I, you know, wrote myself, um, or the episode, excuse me, the episode that I wrote. Um, it was the first episode of the series, and I had no time to prepare. Um, I, I, you know, basically just kept on shirking preparation for the episode, you know, because of my job. And then on the day of, was just like freaking out internally. Um, it all up, it ended up being fine. Like the day went, the day went fine. Nobody even was aware that I was raging internally. I tried to keep it, keep it under wraps. Um, but I was like hating it the whole day. And then at the end of the day, it was fine. And you know, it turned out great. Obviously, there's things I probably would have done differently. But like, you know, I can't even recall what they are now. It's been so long. So, you know, rather than getting butthurt about it and letting it affect my the shoot. You know, I just tried to stay as cool as I could, but man, yeah, that was a hectic time. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle. Uh, on the episode uh, Pixie Dust, uh, just that entire shoot uh, with the balloons was quite possibly <laughs> the worst thing. Uh, and and that day we had gone out and to, to get the balloons, oh and my God. it was so hot. It was like one of the hottest days of summer of that year, which was again two years ago, uh, and. Um, I had fallen asleep in the car oh my God. while moving the car, and so like I ended up disappearing for like now an I remember. hour. I remember yeah, this, now. this was this oh was God. also. I, I think Drew would say that this is his least favorite. Yeah, experience. I think I forgot about this. Experience. <laughs> That's how bad this was. Um, so freaking we, out. We have an hour of like dead time. My fault. And then I come back and I I'm just so flustered. I can't get my lines correct and the balloons won't stay straight where we have the like <laughs> right. faces on because we like we have to cut off all the fans everything so it's roasting in this room so that the fans aren't moving the balloons and the balloons are still moving and we can't get the shot it very, and it just very took tedious forever and just got those smug looks on their faces oh yeah, yeah. oh my oh, god definitely <laughs> it is it's they're taunting People us. talk about working with kids and dogs, man. Balloons. Balloons. <laughs> Balloons. <laughs> Worst. And Kyle. Yeah, me. Oh, yeah, boy. me too. <laughs> All right. I'm going to play a little bit of the intro to uh, oh, the Street sweet. Wizards oh, Apprentice Episode 1 so people can kind of hear For centuries, it. the Wizard Malfazar protected medieval Chicago from magical terrors until he was cursed by a devious witch to appear as nothing more than a common beggar. Malfazar was stripped of everything 
condemned to social oblivion. Until he met a simple drug dealer with the blood of warlocks in his veins. A wizard will make your life a living Now, Drake and Malthazar joined forces to fight back the monsters of magic and break the curse bestowed by the evil witch Eldra. Oh my god. It's actually doing really I I'm like I'm I'm following it. Yeah, no. Just the audio. <laughs> Do you think that's any good? Do you think that series is any good? I don't know. I don't <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm actually really good. impressed. Yeah. Melzer, good job, man. <laughs> like sound yeah. The sound quality. The Street Wizards Apprentice. <laughs> I love it. All right, so The Street Wizards Apprentice the entire series is up now on YouTube, and you can watch every episode as well as everything that Muscular Clown does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where can they find you on social media? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, uh, all three. Yeah, all three. Muscular Clown, I think. Is, yeah, Muscular Clown, all one word, is our handle on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then on Facebook, just search Muscular Clown. And uh, I guess in the spring, look for the full series of Todd Groban's Going Away Party. We uh, just received funding from Channel Flux for a whole series. So we have actual money to work on something. It's going to be great. (laughs) Let's see where it goes. Thank you so much, Katie, Drew, and Kyle of Muscular Clown. Uh, if that intro to that, I I mean, I've seen, I've watched this uh, video like a few times. So it's like, I want to pick out the things that I really, really love about it. And every time I see that intro, it makes me laugh. Like, I think awesome. it's just so funny. Awesome. Great way to Thank get into you. it. Thank you. So if that does not get you uh, watching the Street Wizards Apprentice, I literally don't know what to tell you. It's a <laughs> Chicago set fantasy comedy romp with drugs and uh, balloons, bo- yeah, balloons yeah. boxes that are bigger than they seem on the inside, yes. <laughs> all that good stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We will be back in just a little bit. We are going to be talking a little bit of Cinepocalypse, mm-hmm. getting an update on that. But uh, you got to stick around for it. This is NoCo Cinema here on WGM Plus, your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we'll see you in just a moment. Back again, you're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGN+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And right now we're going to get into our kind of mixed bag segment where we look around and see what's happening in the city of Chicago and maybe preview some things, review some things, all that good stuff. Joining us right now is Raul Benitez, film programmer from the... Comfort Film over at Comfort Station. You know him. He was on the show pretty recently, and we're so glad to have you back, Raul. Thanks. And joining him is Mike Vanderbilt. He's the assistant editor at Daily Grindhouse, which is a great site covering all things gooey, gory, and gushy. Thank That's you so much. That's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> he also has bylines everywhere. You can catch him on the AV Club. Just honestly, look him up, follow him on Twitter, and you just got to follow what this guy is doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me. I really do. I really do appreciate it. Anytime. So what we want to talk about That's here... like inviting a vampire into your yeah. house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can back. talk. Yeah. <laughs> 
what we are going to be talking about here is the Cinepocalypse Film Festival. It's currently going on at the Music Box. You all know the Music Box, one of the best theaters here in Chicago, one of the most historic theaters here in Chicago. And uh, we actually talked to Josh Goldblum, the assi- the artistic director of the Cinepocalypse Film Festival last week. But we wanted to get a couple of people who have been attending the festival, seeing what's being played, seeing what's going on, and telling us what they think. So Raul and Mike are here to help us do that. So uh, let's start with you, Raul. What have been your first impressions of the Cinepocalypse Film Festival? Well, you know, it's always, I always said that it's tough to do a film festival, especially when you're starting out new. But, you know, uh, they've done this before. This used to be the Bruce Campbell yeah, uh, this is the festival. first year they're doing it at the Music Box Theater, but they did it at the the out in Rosemont at the Movico out there. And it was sort of attached to Wizard World. I want to say it was going on that weekend. And I went last year and uh, had a really good time at that one. Saw some really great films. Saw one of my favorite films of the year last year at that one, I Am Not a Serial Killer. Which uh, did you guys check that one out? Oh, I've not I wish. Seen it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, if you're, if you're, I know you guys are Romero fans. If you're fans of Martin... Like, it's in that oh, yes. vein. But yeah. I liked it more than Martin. I don't know. I, but it's a great flick. And that was something I saw at the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. So they, I'm sure as Josh Goldblum told you, they, Bruce is busy. Mm-hmm. And we all know Bruce is busy. And uh, they wanted to get it into the city. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so they have already, like, a you know, like a background on, like, running a festival. So um, I, I actually was, met Josh Goldblum for the first time down at. Yeah. At Fantastic Fest. Fantastic Fest yeah. down in Austin. Which you can see that this this uh, festival is uh, sort of influenced by, I would say. Yeah, and he was already talk. He was already talking about this festival last, when we saw him at Fantastic Fest last year. Or two, he was talking about making it happen, yeah, making yeah. it happen, and he was looking for venues in the city. And he was asking for advice. Yes, he, yeah, he was, and we were the Chicago, some of the Chicago guys yeah. down there. And really, I mean, if you're going to do a music festival in Chicago proper, or not music uh, film festival oh, in Chicago proper, you got to do it at the Music Packs, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so. Uh, so I was kind of like, you know, I was uh, curious to see how it was going to uh, come off. And it's so far, so good. Um, obviously, you know, the Music Box only has two theaters, so they could do only like one thing at a time for the most part. Yeah, like, um, I mean, the only really uh, other big film festival I've experienced going to is Fantastic Fest. And they basically have the whole Alamo Draft House in Austin mm-hmm. playing movies every yeah. hour on the hour down there. So they don't have that, but you do have, I mean, you have that aura, you have that you know, feel of being in the music box theater. I mean. Right. And, you know, they do, They have scheduled a lot, like 61 films, I think. Wow. Total. It's impressive. It's they're, a doing a, they're doing a full week. Right? Yeah, they're doing yeah. a full week, Thursday to Thursday. Um, you know, obviously the opening night they had only one film, which was Sweet Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, like yesterday, I think they had like something like six, seven films in a row. Yeah. For the most part. So they're pretty much doing it that way all week till Thursday. And this is its inaugural year, so it's, you know, not going to, be able to hold it necessarily to the standards of fantastic. Yeah, obviously, obviously, no, and we're not, and we're not. You no, know, that's we the reason. That's the reason we all got press passes from Daily Grind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the uh, the film that you first mentioned that they opened with, Sweet Virginia, and that's got John Bernthal in it yes, from it The does. Walking Dead yes, and uh, The Punisher as well. Uh, did you both see it? Oh yeah. yes, yes, yeah. we and both saw it. What were some of your thoughts, Raleigh? You want to go? Um, I thought it was kind of. Uh, a slow opening movie for a festival. Um, Interesting. Berthold plays this guy who's runs a, a, a motel. He's like an ex rodeo guy. Um, he kind of plays it off as like he's kind of really kind of his body's kind of physically damaged by mm-hmm. being in the rodeo, and he and he got this hotel, hotel motel from from his brother, and 
Um, through it, he befriends. There's like two subplots going because there's like a subplot with him and a woman that he has kind of like this affair with. Um, and then there's kind of a murder. Yeah, like, there's like a murder in the beginning of the movie. It, it's um, it, what do I want to say? It's like a, um, best plans gone awry. Okay. It's like that kind of uh, thriller where somebody sets something in in uh, in the mo- motion and then everything goes wrong. Okay, you know, like kind of a Murphy's Law kind of thing. I seem to enjoy it a lot more than a lot of the other people coming out of theater. Even though when it started, I was kind of like, "All right, I've seen this. I've seen this story before." Like, but yeah, and it was a little predictable. Like, I kind of predicted. Yeah, but uh, but the performances the I think performances are, are so good. good. Um, not only do you have John. Uh, John Bernthal? Yes. But you have uh, Christopher Abbott, who I've, the whole movie, I'm like, where do I recognize him from? And I realize I recognize him from Girls. And he's good as kind of this like, just oddball, mushmouth yeah. uh, miscreant. And uh, Rosemary <laughs> DeWitt is in it, who I always like because I liked her as Midge on Mad Men. And that's, I, 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 just, I just learned her name because every time I yeah. say, oh, that's, that's Midge. Yeah. yeah. And she's good. And Imogene Poots. Yeah, Imogene Poots. Who I liked in uh, Green Room, which was one of my favorites. That was one of my favorites of Fantastic Fest. And it's kind of in that Green Room vein, I mean, visually. um, Like I said, though, but I think something I had to learn going to film festivals was that you kind of expect everything to just blow you out of the water immediately. And all these movies just be like how people are on online it's like everything's amazing or everything's right. garbage like yeah. you're, you're just gonna get some nice middle of the road yeah like if i caught this one on you know cable in the middle of the night i've been like I, I felt like it really was like a late night cable movie oh yeah oh so this is like this is definitely a rent like if we if this gets maybe a red box really or something oh yeah I, well, yeah definitely I, I definitely think if you're a fan of uh Bernthal, if you're a fan of chris rabbit or if you're a fan of midge from mad men yeah. <laughs> uh, that there's there's nothing not to like about it but i think uh, when you go to see stuff at a festival there's this uh preconceived notion that you're just going to be blown away. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. There's it's a just, lot of movies that are just really good. Yeah. Was there a story behind why they chose Sweet Virginia? Because it's uh, kind of strange to open up with I a don't slow know movie. The story. I um Just a little inside baseball, I guess. Like, they had, you know, they just were debating on which ones to get, and some films they didn't get that they wanted and mm-hmm. um i think i think if if i were to make my own assumptions it's because you got some serious star power in it like yeah john bernthal people are just going to recognize him yeah and some of the other movies like if you look at the rest of what's coming up in a festival you don't want to you don't want to put that right up front you know you don't sure. want to open with the biggest hit you want to put that somewhere in the middle of the set mm-hmm. yeah okay so another one that I just I love the title of this uh, attack of the adult babies, which Connor, you mentioned that they need to put a qualifier in there. Yeah, it needs to be attack of the adult human babies because <laughs> attack of the adult shark babies. Yeah, I'd watch that. Here? That I mean, sounds okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down I'm, with that. Okay, sci-fi original. Please give us a call. We can make this happen for you. All right. Greenlit. Greenlit. Yeah, I, I saw that movie last night. Um, was that the midnight movie? That was the midnight movie. Yeah, because that, movie that's the kind of movie that can only be shown at midnight, I think. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it uh, also it has this concept of like things going wrong because um, it turns out that this the, the, the movie opens with this family playing a board game, and then these guys, two guys come in, and they kind of like heist them. But then they give them some – they tell them, hey, we want you guys to steal something for us from this building, and if you don't steal it, we're going to kill your father. And so um, they send, like, the family, which is, like— the It sounds a lot more serious than no, I was expecting from no. a movie called Attack of the Adult Babies. It's, but the, it's, like, the, the, the two guys that heist them are, like, goofy and dumb. Okay. And they don't know how to use their guns. And, but they 
convince his family to go steal some plans from this mansion. But it turns out that the mansion is like this weird fetish club where adult men. Where is it? Have I been there? Night was in England, apparently. Uh, so. no, I don't get overseas. That <laughs> but these guys. Was it out in a bird? It wasn't out in like a. No, it was all like in the countryside <laughs> right. in a big like English manor. And at this manor, there's these guys that it's like a fetish club and they're wearing. They make them wear these diapers. They wear diapers. And they act like babies. And they have each one of them has a nurse that has uh, they're wearing like these vinyl nurse outfits. I'm you you're know, getting. The, I, the, I'm, in, I'm interested. Yeah, with I'm the thigh highs in and, oh, and then wow. they, you know they like. Oh, you just hit. You just hit. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to like change their diapers and they saw you know the there's like a a head mistress and you just tell them you got to treat them like babies and they're gonna soil themselves. You got to change them. <laughs> and there was a big point of like the soiling of the diapers. And there's like a running gag of like somebody has like shit on their face from one of the diapers because they wiped they wiped a rag <laughs> on their face. So, so it's highbrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really highbrow. And like the director of the the fetish place, they, you only see his hands at the most of the movie and he's like typing up like Dr. Claw from Dr. Yeah. Gadget. And uh but he's watching porn most of the time and watching the security cameras and then he just goes back to porn and his desk is full of like Kleenex. <laughs> so I yeah. so you did you did you like this one? Yeah. I, I actually enjoyed it. Um considering it's such, such late at night um yeah, there's a lot going on. There's like a lot of horror and like blood, and then there's a weird at the end weird sci-fi element to it. So, if you get a chance to find it anywhere, I would highly recommend to see I, it. I, I missed this one, but I know that uh, my writer and lead singer uh, in my band, uh, Modern Day Rippers, uh, Germ T. Ripper. I mean, everybody in Chicago, anybody, somebody listening to this podcast knows who he is because he's just one Good of those old guys. Germ. Knows. Germ. Everybody knows Germ. Um, well, when I try to assign out movies as the assistant editor for people to review, I try to find like what writer on staff is gonna, has the most chance of enjoying this. And that was, oh, oh yeah, this, he, is, this is Germ. And you said yeah, you saw him in yeah. the theater last night? Yeah, he uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. You don't need, I don't know if you need to read a review at this point. You know, you know the, 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 the music box is huge, and there's like maybe 20, 30 people left for that screening. Sure. And he's the only one that's like laughing. Uh, just howling, I can hear him in my so head. So loud. Right I like everything, and I'm like, yep, he's loving this every moment. But yeah, uh, I saw that. That was the ending movie. I did not see Tragedy Girls. That's a favorite of the festival. That's, Everybody seems to be digging that one. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those that I definitely saw a lot of coverage of ahead of time. Because, I mean, I I heard Sweet Virginia mainly because of John Bernthal. Yeah. Um, I know that they're doing Suspiria, which we'll get to. <laughs> but the only other movie, that uh, Near Dark was another one that got a lot of coverage. But then Tragedy Girls, like this was supposed to be this, this hit that was going to come out of this festival. They're, um, I, I know they're promoting it pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, it's been rolling out to a couple different. I think it's played just about every festival. I don't think it, it didn't play fantastic. No, it Fest. did not. But mm-hmm. uh, um, going into the theater last night, um, everybody that I talked to really loved Tragedy, tragedy Girls. Yeah, everybody. I, I, uh, our, we have a writer, Rob Dean, who saw it at one or the other. He saw it. In, he's an Austin guy, yeah. uh, and he really dug it too. Yeah, I, I mean, I tend not to do a lot of research on mm-hmm. movies coming up uh, to festivals because I. I genuinely like to be surprised because in this day and age, and Daily Grindhouse is part of the problem when it comes to this. Like you don't, you don't get to be surprised. You know everything from the time it's being cast to the who bought the script and everything. And I remember reading Fangoria, you know, magazine as a kid, and like mm-hmm. you'd be looking through the up the list of upcoming movies, and you'd be like, 
oh my god there's another friday the 13th coming out like and it was just this big shock and you don't have that anymore so like something like green room which i saw it on a fantastic fest i was I remember i was bent out of shape because everybody was going into the secret screening which turned out to be crimson peak which really doesn't sound like my wheelhouse i still haven't seen it but uh-huh. i said all right i'll go green room okay punk rockers all right cool and was that was my favorite film. Of the I know both Connor and I absolutely love Green Room. Yeah, and I thought I like, that was going to be a bigger hit than it was. Honestly, yeah, give I, it time. Yeah, it's I, gonna I, it's gonna grow on people. I can I can live with Green Room being um, one of those movies that you pass on to people. Yeah, like yeah. that's and and that's what I really like about Cinepocalypse is that it seems that their um, their approach to it was like let's book a lot of movies that maybe won't be like amazing. Like they, I mean, and it's to each their own. Sure, Who knows what people are going to think is amazing and what they're going to think is not so great but i feel like a lot of these movies will just be ones that are good enough that you want to pass on like attack of the adult babies oh yeah how do you t- like, <laughs> like you're true gonna- true cult hits like yeah. you used to have in the age of uh vhs and everything where like you'd, you'd catch it on cable one night and you'd have to find out oh, what movie this is and then you'd have to tape it or yeah. you'd have to go order it from a bootleg magazine and then you're like oh you have to bring it to your friend's house and you're like oh yeah i gotta sit get out and watch this yeah. thing well that's what i like about uh Cinepox is that they really are truly leaning heavily on uh genre films because um mm-hmm. even fantastic fest kind of has moved away and they've gotten yeah getting, they've shown some straight ahead stuff like straight them. straight ahead hollywood stuff because they're a big festival they can yeah. get that and i dig that but i mean for someone who runs a site called daily grindhouse like this, this is this, this is, is our this bread is and butter yeah. yeah this is the this is the kind of stuff that i loved growing up this is the kind of stuff i still love now and uh one of the reasons i think we're a perfect site to be covering it is that and it's a perfect festival for us. We're a perfect set to be covering it because we're not just pigeonholed by horror. We're not pigeonholed by Hollywood. We are a genre site, so mm-hmm. we can get horror, action, sci-fi. We can write about any of that. It never feels like we're uh, stretching too hard, I don't think. Yeah, I want to ask Raul, um, what, what did you get from like the audience, Like not, not even for a specific movie? Uh, when you were going in, what was the energy like at the music box I thought box there was a lot. I think there was a... Uh... There's definitely a lot of genre film fans there, and there was a lot of people that didn't just buy a ticket for a single. I think a lot of people had badges, so it looks like so they, they had, went for it. So yeah. The, so yeah. there's people that went for it and got the whole the whole deal. Like, I think the badges were hundred bucks or something, hundred fifty. Which isn't bad for a yeah, week pretty long of film, pretty no. reasonable prices. <laughs> that's yeah. a ni- that's one night at the AMC if you bring a day. <laughs> so, yeah. So there was a lot of people that I noticed that had badges. There wasn't too many people that I noticed that you know bought a ticket at the t- the box office just for one film or whatever. Um, I. The 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 crowd during um during uh what is that the the Bigfoot Primal movie, Rage Primal Rage they were really into it really into it so I definitely felt like this is a knowledge, knowledgeable audience that they had at least for Primal Rage I I, I have noticed that within like uh, I mean I, I hesitate to use the word community because community is usually just another word for click but when you're dealing with like uh, people who love film and people who love genres of film. In particular, there is a sense of that community where you need to go out, uh, like in the old days with uh, in indie rock bands, like you have to go out and support. You have to go out and spend the money at this festival to make sure, to ensure that you get festivals mm-hmm. like this. Like, yeah, it's so easy to watch anything on Amazon Prime, Netflix, Shudder. I subscribe to most of them and steal the rest of them. And I can watch whatever I want, whenever I want. But, like, something about going to the theater and yeah, that going and talking to people talking after to people. the movie. Like, yeah, what did you think I of think, it? Yeah, and I think it's great about a festival like this is that you get to talk to people that have similar interests and they're as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than you are. You could just <laughs> pick their brain and talk to them about it yeah. and stuff like that. So I felt that this festival does have that feel, yes. 
Yeah, it's not like it's a uh, it's genre based this cinepocalypse, right? It's like science fiction, horror, oh, yeah. comedy, action, but right. it all has to have some sort of bearing on like a horrific experience, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 not a horrific <laughs> experience in terms of like it's going to be a bad one. It it, it 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 exists on the outskirts. Even though, I mean, if you look at modern Hollywood cinema, so much of modern Hollywood cinema is basically yeah. A budget B movies. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't like superhero films it, kind of genre films? It, right? Superheroes are totally, totally genre yeah. films, yeah. and they're like the big stuff now. Yeah, that's like in Star Wars. We, we could fall down that rabbit hole easy yeah. about how Star Wars changed all that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's all genre based in that it's it's and it's, it's like every film falls into a genre, yeah. but. Heavy genre, heavy, yeah, heavy. Yeah. It's it, it's extreme, you know. It it um, and usually, like you said, horrific. Yeah, <laughs> let's say ninety percent of them. Uh, I mean, sweet for sweet Virginia was pretty horrific. There yeah, was I some mean, good it had, it had its that. moments. Yeah. One one thing I'm really excited about is the fact that in in this big genre celebration, is that they're including uh, Foxy Brown, and I'm gonna get you, sucker. Which are two big hallmarks of the what was commonly referred to as the black exploitation oh, yeah. genre, and um, especially Foxy Brown, Pam That's Greer, one of the legends. Premier, legends. I would say one of the top five black exploitation films yeah. of all time. But I, it does make me wonder, and I'm going to go down a little bit of a social aspect here because I, I movies and society really interest me. Uh, does that do, do those types of movies still have a place in our in in like film festivals? Because although they are to they are celebrated as a uh, important part of filmmaking, then how do we view things like Foxy Brown and I'm Gonna Get You Sucker now in 2017? Oosh, that is heavy. I, I know, right? I, I, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's an important question to ask because um, but I mean, the black exploitation subgenre. Uh, it was great because you did see this burst of uh black filmmakers coming out and making tales for black audiences that's not to say that only black audiences can like that it's not to say that uh, only white audiences can watch movies with white characters that tell a white story i mean film is is universal um i'm older than so, I mean, i'm 37 and i think that if somebody were i mean if you're asking like that are these movies uh, out of place? Are they out of time? Mm-hmm. I think that more young uh, people in general and young film fans need to be able to watch a movie from a different era and accept that, okay, things were different back then. We've <laughs> sort of progressed. We yeah, haven't progressed yeah. as much as we probably should have in 30, 40, 50, 100 years. But to take yourself out and look at this as a product of its time and enjoy the good things about it, because I don't want to live in a world where film classes aren't showing triumph of the will to explain how propaganda works or showing birth of the nation because, uh, was that Cecil B. DeMille yeah. uh, did figured out all these filmmaking yeah. tricks, even though it's, you know, it's, it's propaganda for the South. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's still kind of like black exploitation films being made. I mean... We had what? Well, what do we have? Like I was just looking it up. Black Dynamite was a right, movie. which was uh, in the vein. It was a tribute. And I always said um, one of my favorite movies of the past ten years that nobody likes. And I wrote a big piece in the AV Club about it was uh, Red Tails, which George Lucas produced. Yeah. Uh, t- what about the Tuskegee Airmen? If you look at it, it's basically a black exploitation flick for the modern age. Hmm. It's an all black cast, black director, you know, and it's telling a, a, an action adventure tale about World War Two. Pilots that happen to be, you know, mm-hmm. black. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that they're at least willing to say we're going to put this out here, and um, especially I mean I just I love Pam Greer. She's just <laughs> it would be a shame to think that we wouldn't get to see her her work in the in the seventies and eighties because uh, the attitudes might be a little outdated. Um, but I, I don't. Th- I, mean, yeah. I will say I don't think I don't think they're as outdated as as you think. I mean, yeah. they may be dated in the fact that. Look at the fashions. Look at the styles that the people are wearing, and some of some of the language that's used. But it is a powerful black woman in a starring role, which at the time was you didn't see big. it. Yeah, you, you know, didn't, you, you, didn't see not, it. you know, just black actors in starring roles, like yeah, you know, doing things absolutely. on their own with no help with anybody else. I think those are important films to show, and I think they're still important today. And one of the biggest, uh, I mean, it's it, it, uh, one of the. The big directors, well, not one of the big directors, but a favorite of that era is Larry Cohen, mm-hmm. who there's a documentary about him. And uh, there's a great interview with um, oh, oh, um, Fred, 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 Fred Williamson, Fred, Fred Williamson in the, yeah, yeah. It, which is absolutely, it's worth the price of admission for King <laughs> Cohen to watch this, uh, this back and forth between Larry Cohen and Fred Williamson, who was in Black Caesar, also yeah. probably one of the top five black exploitation films. I wish they would have just brought him and then have Larry Cohen talk. I'm so I'm surprised I'm, I'm surprised that they did it because honestly. that would be great. Well, for all the foibles of those black exploitation movies, and and for Foxy Brown, it does kind of to your point, it does help you. You can look back and take the good things out of it, and you it does kind of help you. I find reflect on where we are now socially, as you like mentioned. It, Tom, though you know? it's a cliche, but those who don't learn history are condemned to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we've got a lot of guests coming as well. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen's going to be here. He, 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 yeah, he's uh, met. Him, I met him down in a uh, Fantastic Fest. He is he's worth the price just to go see him talk. I would That's I would exciting. I would watch Larry Cohen like a, a one man show with him just telling tales about making movies. <laughs> like because the the film's great. It was mm-hmm. one of my favorites of Fantastic Fest. It's a great documentary um, uh, for anybody who loves Larry Cohen or even somebody who only knows a little bit. Like I learned a lot that I didn't know about him. Yeah, I learned a lot too, and I didn't know much. I mean, we're obviously. We're, we have a friend that's a super Let's, big. I'm going to give a plug for one of our fa- my yeah. favorite Daily Grand House writers, Mr. Movie Murder Matt on Twitter, Matt Wedge, the biggest Larry Cohen expert out there. And we actually got him, the two of them, in a room together. It was like uh, it was like uh, my breakfast with Blassie when Andy Kaufman <laughs> interviewed uh, classy Freddie Blassie. It was great. Yeah. So um, yeah, then King, you know, King. Uh, that mo- what was that movie? King, King Cohen. Cohen. King yeah. Cohen's a really good documentary. I enjoyed it a lot. I think uh, that's one to definitely see coming up. Yeah, so he'll and be here. And he'll be here with yeah. excellent. And you've well, got I a mean, ton of other guests as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Joe Carnahan, Eric Roberts, yeah. which I think is hilarious yeah. that they're doing. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. That's well, the podcast. That, right? uh, I wrote that. Po- Doug Tilly is uh, he's a fr- he's a friend of Daily Grindhouse. He's been a friend of the site before he, even I got involved. And I actually listened to his. I started listening to his podcast and I wrote it up for uh, for AV Club. Because I, I write uh, the Podmas beat. Mm-hmm. If you have any pod, pod, podcasts for me to listen to, tweet them at me. Let me let me find them. And um, it's a show just dedicated to the films of Eric Roberts, and they track him down, and him and a, his co-host and a guest. And I I kind of watched it happen on Twitter, where all of a sudden Eric Roberts was liking their tweets. <laughs> all of a sudden Eric Roberts was following them, and then all of a sudden you know they're interviewing Eric Roberts at <laughs> at Cinepocalypse. Oh God! Well, what a me- what a meeting of the minds. And um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, Eric Roberts has been in. He's the crime Everything. boss in the Dark Knight. Yeah, that I mean, that was the first <laughs> time I was like, wait, who is this guy? Like, I've seen him. 
I know him, but uh, that was how I got into him. What was? I do also, you guys remember the first Eric Roberts? Oh, geez, well, the first time where I noticed who Eric Roberts was. Oh, that's a good question. But I really liked him. He was on. I want to say the second to last season of Justified. Uh, he showed up in there for a minute. Um, he's in Larry Cohen's The Ambulance, which is why he's here, which is showing Sunday night, mm-hmm. I believe, after the uh, the Larry Cohen documentary. Um, and I remember I knew who he was. Well, it was at, oh, Pulp of Greenwich Village. I don't think that was he the came, first time I saw him. He came on my radar in a Doctor Who movie because he plays the master. Wait, and, shit, he's the, the master? Yeah, in the Doctor Who movie, the 1992, 91. Really? Yeah, when they tried to bring it back. A little bit. Yeah, I, oh, I don't re- remember that. Was it Paul? Um, yeah. Oh God, I can't even. I know exactly the one you're talking about. And yep. That was. They were like, "Oh, we're going to bring it back," and then it didn't work. And then they it had didn't to wait until 2005. Mm. Yes. Oh, Eric boy. Roberts was just always one of those faces that you saw on cable, and he was yeah. always kind of in trashier B-level movies. And then you're surprised to find out that he's yep. Julia Roberts' brother. Just to make sure that I was right. Yes, he plays the master. In that in movie, the, in the Doctor Who movie on Fox. Oh my God! When they tried to bring Doctor Who to America for the for the first. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's a that's oh. an that's an interesting. I think they all kind of wish that no. He also <laughs> um, yeah. So I do I do a, a a monthly series where we show Lifetime movies with uh, Katie Rife. From right, the from also AV the AV Club. So yeah. We showed the movie that he's in called Stalked by My Doctor, which is a Lifetime movie. Where he plays a doctor that falls in love with one of the patients that he saves, <laughs> yeah. and it's like super creepy and awesome, and everybody should go see that movie. I love oh. how descriptive Hallmark movie titles always are. Yeah, or the life, lifetime exactly. movies. Yeah, stalked lifetime. by my yeah. or lifetime. Yeah, yeah Hallmark. Uh, and actually, there's a part two, and Eric Roberts in, is in the second part as well. Stalked by my doctor, yeah. part two. Yeah, debarred in, or whatever. <laughs> in Me- it's in Mexico, like because he like at the end of the he, stalk he escapes in Mexico. Escapes. It's well, a nice great. change of location. That works for me. Well, he, you know, Eric, Rob- I mean, his his like uh, IMDb page is like humongous, right? They're yeah. Cool. Er, I'm, look- I'm looking at Eric Robert right because I it's really be remembered him from the best of the best movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was an oh, 80s man. actioner that yes. was on cable incessantly. He pretty much doesn't say kid. no to any gig. Well, you know, and that's something, that's something uh, worth <laughs> talking about for just a minute. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the Brett Easton Ellis podcast, and he mm-hmm. talks to a lot of filmmakers on there. And uh, one of the points that comes up quite a bit is how hard it is to be a working actor in Hollywood, you think that all right, you do one 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 you know movie, one gig, you got money. All right, now you're you're a movie star. It's like no, you have to make five six movies a year, and I think it seems like it's gotten easier to do with uh, video on demand and stuff. Where you'll see Samuel L. Jackson will have six movies come out in a year, mm-hmm. and one of them's Kong Skull Island, this major release, and then he's in. Some nonsense yeah. direct-to-video thing. Yeah. Where he's probably in it for three minutes, probably paid him for two days, but his face is the biggest one on the box oh, cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and, I mean, that seems to be where, um, apart from film festivals, genre film is really thriving on video on demand. Is oh, absolutely. A place, it's a place where you can just find things. and it's Well, there's so many genre, f- like, film streaming channels yeah. now. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a lot of it goes back to that old thing. I mean, if you look at the Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and the gang from Evil Dead, like, they really never wanted to make horror movies. They no. were more into Three Stooges-style comedy. But they knew in 1980, when they started, or 79, when they started shooting Evil Dead, that, well, Horry, when they went to, the, like, the doctor's offices to collect you know, investments, they're like, well, you're going to get a return on this one because it's going to play the drive-ins and then, you know... It, it's gonna Home make video, yeah, because yeah. they're cheap to produce. 
Yeah. And uh, people like horror. People yeah. always yeah. liked horror. People always talk about horror coming back. It's like, eh, horror's always been yeah, there. Yeah, it's never, it's never leaves, yeah. really. No. People have always wanted it to be good, I think, is the well, only thing. Yeah, you have long stretches where, you know, but there's always, there, you can always find one good one, and it gets harder with all the uh, streaming stuff. 100%. All right, we just have a little bit of time left, so if uh, if I may, I'm going to throw yeah. out this question. If you guys want to pick uh, one movie, just one movie, if people are going to go to Cinepocalypse for one day, <laughs> what movie do they go see? Do you want me to go first? You go first. Hagasusa. Yeah. Now, that was that one about? Bar none. So that's the, the witch movie, period piece, about a woman who uh, they started, started out where she's a, a child with a mother, and they live isolated, and then it, it forwards to her as an adult, and she's kind of like uh, – getting turned into a witch um and it's really like period pc and it's a uh, I, I forgot what what uh what uh where they made that movie i think, I think it was gosh i can't remember now it was like dutch or Bel- or from belgium <laughs> and it, it is worth noting that hagasusa plays today yeah it's like today <laughs> in like 10 minutes all right we gotta wrap <laughs> this up let's yeah, go yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that i mean you asked me which one i go see that's, that's true the one i go see. that is true uh, uh, but you know the ambulance. I think that's a repertoire the, screening is showing later on this week. That's Sunday night. That's definitely Sunday night. That's thirty-five yeah. millimeter. That's okay. one definitely to go see. Uh, rarely screened, um, and that's also a Cohen film. Uh, I'm I, I'm going to cheat because if you're I, the only one I've seen that I can honestly recommend it. If you're a film fan, like you got to see King Cohen. I think that's a great documentary. Mm-hmm. But what I'm excited about, which I haven't seen, is Mohawk, which plays Mohawk. Tuesday night, and it looks like um, it's kind of a Native American horror movie set in uh, the 1800s. I dig Native American mythology and stuff like that, so that sounds really cool. And the one that everybody's telling me that I'm going to dig, knowing my taste, is Low Life, which sounds like uh, Tarantino exploitation, like mm-hmm. like in the vein of like Go and Two Days in, uh, in the Valley and that kind of glut of fast-talking hitman movies that came out in the late 90s. Uh, but I hear it's actually very good All at right. the same time. Very good. Yeah, really quick. Like I think <laughs> yeah. Veronica uh, is one to see. It's a Spanish film made by the guy that did the Rec movies, the REC. Oh yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, what was his name? That's exciting. Uh, uh, Paco uh, Plaza. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that one's one. And then they're going to show Apple Cart on Tuesday. Which they showed at Fantastic Fest, but this this one they're going it's like a new cut. Um, it, worth noting just for a minute, we saw the Apple Cart with Barbara Crampton, who's also going to be here. Uh, and she's a juror. So she also. is a juror. Um, and uh, I wrote a relatively positive review of it because I did see that there were flaws in the editing and like mm-hmm. continuity and stuff. But overall, I thought it was effective and fun. And Barbara Crampton's very funny, and mm-hmm. you never really don't get to see her play yeah. funny. Um, and the director actually went back and recut it. Recut it. Really? Um, so I'd be interested to see if it fares any better. Yeah, I'm I, interested to see. There was a lot of cool, a lot of. I mean, the special effects in it were great. A lot yeah. of good, yeah. gooey, gory, practical yeah. effects, the kind of thing we dig at Daily Grind. Yeah, so that's another one that I would recommend see later on this week is Apple Cart. And uh, just if you just, we'll put a plug in for Katie's AV Club sewing of Beyond the Room, which is a uh, mm-hmm. very, like, guy shot, like, for nothing. Like, people are... Com- what they're um, comparing it to the room, just this DIY. What do you say? Mostly in '93, but completed in 2007. So if you saw Dangerous Men, which was a uh, film that screened down at uh, 
Fantastic Fest a couple years back. It's in that vein. Just uh, this guy made a movie and now he's like a lawyer, <laughs> and he, he, he you can like buy copies of it. Like you have to email him, and he sent. You still send got a, a hotmail. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that one, I love stuff like that. I love just stuff that seems like it comes from another dimension. Well, it just goes to show that this is a fantastically programmed festival. So much good stuff to see. So, I mean, Hagas, how do you say Hagasusa? <laughs> yes, Hagasusa. I'm not even going to try. I mean, it's too bad that's that's playing today, but that's like that's my thing. Like, I want to see that. I'll, there's so many things I want to see. It's coming so. out on VOD. So well, there I you go. I don't know when though. But so, they did mention that. So, if people can't find, if you can't see it at the festival, find it on VOD. Yes. These are big recommendations. They're going to be out there. VOD is where, apart from film festivals, VOD is where genre is living right now. That's true. Absolutely. And, and uh, we've got that AV Club Presents Beyond the Room. And that you said that's with Katie Rife? Uh, Katie uh, Katie like brokered that deal to like get it. Like, really? She, uh, she used to work with Everything is Terrible, and so she was aware right. of this movie for years just from going through you know, these old VHSs. And uh, she tracked the guy down and... You know, made are. made it made it happen. Yeah, All right. So definitely lots of stuff to see. You can find the entire list of uh, what's playing at Cinepocalypse at the Music Box over at www.musicboxtheater.com. Uh, thank you so much, Raul and Mike. We really appreciate oh, it. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was my pleasure. Raul, I'd love to come back if uh, you know I can find parking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've always got you, Raul Benitez. You can find out uh, all about Comfort Film. You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. Yes, Connor and I have been to Comfort Film. It's such a great experience. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming out to see those. Oh, seriously, Absolutely. Project Nightmare was. It was objectively terrible, and I loved literally <laughs> oh, was, every second of that it. That was yeah. Paul's actually, from Daily yeah, Grindhouse. Actually, he put uh, that one Yeah, on. Paul, yeah. yeah. That's the series that Daily Grindhouse actually uh, loosely sponsors. We and, gave you a uh, bunch of pins. <laughs> and The Brain. That was also Daily the Brain, Grindhouse, right? Daily Grind, all those yeah. are sponsored by the Daily yeah. Grindhouse. And, um, you know, you guys have got so much more. I know you've got the Chicago, is the Chicago Ethnographic Film Festival. That, that, that was uh, that's a couple. Already, that's already past couple weeks ago but well, we got big stuff coming up we got stuff coming with simfest yes uh the big one is a david bowie documentary on saturday um uh which is going to get a big turnout and i don't know how they gave it to us nice. and apparently the, the director's flying in from england so uh yeah i think we're gonna have, I th- if you guys want to make it to that it's free and i heard the documentary is excellent i haven't screened it yet but i did get a screener um that would be one to watch showing at our we're also the only free venue for simfest which is important, and I, and that's what I really love about Comfort Film is that just by virtue of being free, it opens it up to so many more viewings and so many great more great conversations and people that you might have never have met otherwise. Right. So definitely follow them on Facebook, uh, follow them everywhere. Instagram, you have a great Instagram, um, and you'll probably see Connor and I at least at a few of them because oh yeah, we we love it there. We it's a lot of fun. Um, Daily Grindhouse, Mike w- Vanderbilt. www.dailygrindhouse.com. Find us on Twitter at Daily Grindhouse. Find us on Facebook at Daily Grindhouse. Find me. Follow me. I'll follow anybody on Twitter. Like, it's cool. <laughs> I follow. He was dumb enough to follow me, and I just pretty much I just post you know nihilism and shameless plugs. Uh, all mine is all shameless. If you're not going to promote yourself, no one else is going to do it. I've been telling people that for years. Um, but yeah, you can find me at Mike Vanderbilt on uh, on Twitter. You can read me at AV Club and the Podmass. Sometimes at Consequences Sound. Uh, I had a piece in the Reader once. I don't know. Um, or fi- find my band Modern Day Rippers. Uh, 
I, I got my favorite, or any of my numerous podcasts, but we'll we'll talk about it. again. Thanks for having me on there. I do appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Literally, guys, just hit us up anytime. We love talking film with you. And uh, thanks for closing out the show with us. Oh, it was and, our pleasure. Yeah, no yeah. problem. All right, have a good day, everybody. This has been No Coast Cinema here on WGN Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago, and frankly, all around the world. Frankly, I'm Tom Hush, and frankly, I'm Connor Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week.